Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Not running your business on NetSuite is like trying to sink a putt with a cap pulled over your eyes. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system, giving you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, budgeting, and more all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 31,000 businesses already use NetSuite. This summer, NetSuite has a special financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com go. netsuite.com go. The transfer show on the Blue Room. Uh, I was sat at home early this week, minding my own business, and my phone flashed up. Rob Vera, transfer show beacon has been lit. <laughs> assemble. We were meant to assemble on Thursday, but our, the, the third member of this triumvirate, Mike Diasia, got his date wrong. No, not dates, just times. That's, I don't no, know, it's no, still no. bad, isn't it? No you, no, you thought it was later on the day, didn't you? Yeah. Come on, Matt. Didn't get me dates wrong. God. Yeah, Mike. Mike's almost a man, Matt. He's almost a man. He's almost right about the time and his commitments and and you know calendar appointments and stuff. He's getting there. I have yeah, faith I can. I can get it. I can get it to the day, to the hour. Maybe <laughs> not just quite yet. Yeah, yeah. You're only three hours out from what it was before you were. So you know, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure Dave's been later than that for an actual podcast. Oh. <laughs> yes, he's been days late. He's been days late before. So yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, the transfer beacons were lit anyway. And, you know, well, the transfer show beacons were lit rather. We haven't made a transfer yet. And, you know, Rob suggested we do it. So here we are. It's, it's Friday. We're going to finish off our week by chatting about Everton transfers. Uh, we did a few transfer pods during the, the lockdown when there was no football. Sort of fill the dead zone, if you will, and, and have a chat mm-hmm. about that. But um, we're going to be back throughout the summer now, obviously, because Everton only got one game to go in the Premier League season as we sit here. And the rumours, as we've seen this week, with yeah, Emil Hoiberg have been ramped up a lot. Um, so, yeah, let, let, let's let's get into it. Just just interestingly, actually, Rob, we were speaking then before we hit record and you were saying you you find the notion of these transfer stories, like the, the Hoiberg one. You know, we're not going to go into that in too much detail, but I think it was Dan um, Sheldon from the Daily Echo, which yeah. is Southampton's local paper, said the terms are agreed and Hoiberg's been to Finch Farm to have a, a look around ahead of the move and all that sort of thing. And obviously, you know, from subsequent reports, included some from uh, Paddy Boyland of this parish, Bad News Boyland, which will catch on. Um, you know, I'll go to me what's up there very quickly. Yeah. Um, oh, Hannah's going to kill you. Hannah's just, yeah. <laughs> Hannah's just turned off the show. Yeah, she's listened to it. Um, but yeah, you were sort of saying that, obviously that turned out to be false, and you were sort of saying that, you know, that sort of thing just doesn't happen in, in the States when it comes to some of your sports. And I suppose from, from my, you know, albeit still limited knowledge of the NFL and how the, the draft and free agency work, it, you, you do very rarely see things shared widely on social media about players that might be moving teams. That doesn't actually happen or certainly doesn't have some sense of veracity to it. Yeah. So again, this is nuanced, and um, believe me, I I fully acknowledge the irony of 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 this sort of position on my part, given the fact that our culture literally invented the term fake news. Uh, so I don't want to I don't want to 
act like uh, you know you know U.S. media is perfect or anything like that. But I, I, look, I've been saying some version of this for the better part of ten to fifteen years of or however long I've really been focused on on the transfer window. But you know, you wouldn't it, every there, there of course are rumors columns, you know, we're hearing this, this might be, you know, and there's similar things here. Like sky usually keeps some sort of like and BBC, they have like a daily rumors section or whatever, but like I grew up in Dallas. I, I would never see an article in Dallas that's, that would say uh, free agent quarterback, Tom Brady was uh, at the Cowboys facility today to take a tour. Uh, and they've agreed on the parameters of a Like it just, you know, it wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to do that. And, and it, without just facing a barrage of criticism of, you know, like that there has to be a certain standard for what is news versus what is the whispers or whatever. Whereas I've found obviously over the years in the UK and following the transfer window, part of the reason I love it honestly so much is because there really is only a very small percentage that's actually the truth. And it's, it's like living in a bizarro fiction book and you just have to kind of ride the wave. And it's amazing to me that a reporter for a local kind of like, you know, with the echo, like say what you will, but, and I know that the echo takes plenty of, of, of derision amongst uh, the fan base at times, the red echo chants and all those sorts of things. But we still, at the end of the day, when, when Phil Kirkbride comes out, as he usually inevitably does uh, after one of these stories drops and says, you know, Everton have not bid, this is not true or what we believe him. Like we believe that he's telling us the truth. And so the assumption that the kind of corresponding outlet who might even be owned by the same media organization on, on the South coast is literally printing a story saying not only has a bid been received, it's been accepted. The player is close to agreeing terms. He's been at finished. Like, it's just, it, it, it's, and it's why when I tweeted about it the other day, I said, wow, this is a very specific claim. I never made any claim to believe it, but I just thought it's amazing how specific some of the details of these lies are getting in this current, you know, clickbait age that we live in, in regards to the transfer window. So all that being said, guys, uh, for those of you who are new to this, and I know that we get new people uh, who have joined this, uh, this cult every, every year with us, uh, I would tell you that um, if you're American, especially, uh, don't believe everything you read. Learn who you actually can trust, and you'll realize soon enough that there are very few of those uh, media sources out there. And you just kind of have to wait and see, and uh, take a deep breath and be patient. <laughs> and that, that's something you wanted to stress at the start of this, didn't you, Mike? Sort of, you know, this edition, this, this summer's editions of, of transfer shows, the, you know, and I think it's something you touched upon briefly in, in the weekly. Um, when we spoke to, to Sarah and Hannah about this, that this is all going to be taken in context. Everything you see, every rumor you hear, you know, every video you see on Twitter about certain things, you know, it's got someone's got an agenda from it. I think it was the, the term you used in midweek. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all information is power, even within stuff like this, because don't forget these deals make people very, very rich people. They make rich people even, even richer. And... <laughs> getting the right bits of information out for those people can be the difference between millions and millions of pounds. I think the best example of that is the Hoiberg deal where it was all very specific. It was all very ABC. This has already happened from absolutely out of nowhere. This is what has happened. This is what will happen unless, and I stress unless Danny Levy gives us 25 million pounds. And there was only one place that was ever going to be coming out of. It was quite obvious with the journalists who were actually being fed that information that, the actual goal was to get Danny Levy to stump up the money that Everton had backed away from because Hoiberg had made it clear that he didn't want to go there. And as you said there, all of those stories came with that agenda in mind. And you know what? We've got the opposite side of it as well because as Rob was saying, Phil Kirkbride comes out, Paddy Boylan comes out and both say, no, no bid's been made. That's Everton's agenda. That's, that's them getting their story across as well is that, no, we actually haven't done this. What's actually happened is this. And Rob's, very right and he says that it's almost this strange paradoxical thing of who do you believe who, which one are you more inclined to believe obviously us with the Everton slants we're always inclined to believe the one that favors Everton but there's going to be a lot of things this summer especially that will require a lot of context to be sifted through and you're actually going to have to sit back and work out where the agendas are with this and I think that's definitely the case when you're dealing 
with deals that involve teams from abroad. I think that's something we're going to see a lot more because this summer deals in the Premier League are going to remain quite expensive and probably prohibitively expensive to teams like Everton. So a lot of the deals will be players be brought in from abroad. And those sorts of deals, when you deal with the foreign press and even to an extent agents, there are, the agendas there are just gigantic. You only have to look at the stories Everton have been involved with, with the Italian press since Ancelotti's arrived. And that's basically agents trying to offload players for vast sums of money by going, well, Carlo Ancelotti is interested in them. And we're going to see things like that constantly. So it is something I think... We've got to set our stall out straight away and be like, with all these stories, there are agendas in play and there is context to all of them. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great way of putting it, to be honest. And, you know, let, let's have a look ahead to, to, to the summer then. And one, one of the things that sort of I was thinking about today, actually, and sort of being reinforced a little bit by the quotes from Carlo Angelotti's press conference today, which we'll get into in, in a little bit more detail later on. But um, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one, Mike. Um, probably going back to towards the start of the year when we had the you know, general meeting and Marcel Brand was clear to emphasise FFP regulations and how Everton needed to fall in line with them. I think we all sort of sat there and thought, Everton's not going to spend much at all this summer. To me, it feels as though, from reading between the lines of what we've heard from the manager in recent weeks, that maybe there might have been a little bit of a sea change in regards to that. And I don't know if that's just in the case of they will spend a little bit more this summer and maybe tighten the belt, you know, the, the pair strings a bit, bit more next season when they've got better players in, whether it's to do with the whole Man City thing and, and the FFP situation there, or whether there's a sense that in a post-lockdown world, there will be looser restrictions when it comes to falling in line with UEFA's financial fair play rules. But it just seems to have got the sense from, from Carlo Angelotti and what he's been saying over his last few media briefings, that there's probably going to be a bit of money there for him to spend. There may be a bit more than what we initially thought. Um, I think you have to go back to that general meeting at the start of the year and you have to analyse what Brands was probably doing, which was, in my opinion, would be dampening expectation quite harshly to the point of anything that is better than this comes off quite well. It was almost as if just to say, listen what we've been doing, we are not going to be doing. And to me, that seems quite sensible anyway, because Everton have lashed absolute vast sums of money up the wall on players that have not been worthy of those fees whatsoever and have struggled to basically turn over any sense of profit from players at all. So from this summer, I think one of the things we have seen recently is the need to get players off the books. And you would hope that... What is happening is it's quite clear that a few of the players might actually be heading towards the exit door, which will give Everton a lot more room to manoeuvre. But whether they have more money to spend or not than we think and how much the FFP will affect that, I think that is a really, really tricky one for for me because, let's be honest, if there's a club that's going to get punished by UEFA, it's going to be Everton. They'll be the only team in the world to ever fall properly foul of FFP and... I just, I'm unsure of whether Everton have more finance or whether it's a case of the expectations that we put on those conversations that brands had was so much lower. Because I've seen people discussing, oh, well, Everton have just said they're going to be getting loans in, they're just going to get free transfers. And that's not what I've heard them say. What I've heard them say is we're going to be a lot more sensible. And it's just being sensible with you. There was that piece, wasn't there, from Phil Cape Ride from the Echo probably a couple of months ago now saying that that's what they were going to be looking at, free transfers and loan deals. And that was a big, I think that's sort of where that's, that's stemmed from, certainly in our conversations since anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, still, that's sensible. Like to, to explore the players who are on free transfer is sensible. To explore the possible loan deals that are going on as the top six sort of have this surplus of players at the moment, that's sensible. It's not. It's not to say that that's the only thing that they're going to do. But I, I'm not averse to going and signing players on freeze and actually turning a half decent profit and turning a player that other teams have released into half decent players. I suppose just to, sorry to interrupt you again, there, Mike. It's going back to what you we sort of said at the start in regards to teams use and manipulate the media to their own benefit. So maybe something we haven't we haven't seen much from Everton. But if everyone thinks Everton haven't got much money to spend, they're only going to be in the market for free transfers and loan deals. Then. Hopefully we won't get you know over the barrel whenever we try and buy a player. 
Well, that's it, isn't it? I think that is something that we've complained about for a few years. And I think Steve Walsh really knackered Everton in that respect, basically, with and Ronald Koeman as well. It was almost as if, like, we've got lots of money here. We're going to go out and we're going to buy big-name players. We've got loads of money to spend. I'm going to go on a tour of Italy, literally shopping around, trying to buy players. It's that sort of big fish sort of thing of just coming across bigger and brasher just really did have Everton over a barrel in certain deals and it's probably still had them the same to this day. So whether Brands has gone on this sort of offensive to play down that and almost push it back to almost the, the old Everton way of dealing when Moyes would rock up with six pickled eggs and a bicycle <laughs> chain and be like, is that enough? Whereas now it's, it's very different. So if, if he is trying to push it back to that, where you're thinking when he's dealing with teams, that, that will only benefit Everton, I think. I think I'm, I might subscribe potentially to an option C here if we're trying to parse out all of this. I mean, because I think Mike makes a lot of good points. And, and the earlier point, Mike, that you made about uh, the notion that there might be more opportunity in the foreign market versus the, you know, versus incoming players in the Premier League. I think that we have to remember context, of course, which is that, there are statements that were made pre-COVID and there are statements that are made post-COVID. And one of the things that when we were having those kind of uh, time, time waste, time kill transfer pods when we were waiting on football to restart uh, that, that I brought up was the notion that there's going to be a lot of uncertainty out there uh, financially for clubs that, that we may not fully grasp until we get further into this. And part of what that may create is a buyer's market uh, for some clubs, meaning that maybe some of Carlo Ancelotti's confidence uh, in using uh, you know, and again, by the way, in addition to media agendas and agent agendas, uh, managers, especially great managers, know how to subtly push the right buttons with their own clubs in regards to putting the pressure on and, and, and those sorts of things. And I don't doubt that. But I, I think that while certain top level players will still be very, very expensive, especially coming from the Premier League, I do wonder, given the financial state that a lot of these clubs in are in around the continent um, what opportunities that does present to a club that has some money. Um, so for instance, um, look, again, the Hoiberg thing isn't going to happen, but I found it interesting that the most reliable report on that from, you know, you would assume would be from someone like Paul Joyce who said that we bid around 14 million. Now you could say that, well, 14 million is, uh, maybe about right for a guy who's got one year left on his deal. But generally speaking, at least based on the narrative, it was pretty low. And I wonder if there's a part of brands and, and uh, Ancelotti's thinking right now, which, which essentially dictates that there may be some bargains out there just because there are some truly cash-starved clubs who are in some real financial trouble. Um, I think that living long enough in this Premier League bubble where we – Take, we almost to a degree take for granted just how much uh, TV cash comes in and we can we can be guilty of thinking that you know the rest of, of the rest of Europe is like that too I think that that's that that can be a bit misguided and so um, I, I do wonder if there are some deals to be had just from the standpoint that there are clubs who need to raise cash um, I think we've already started to see that in some places but um, I, I think that you won't really fully know what clubs are truly suffering financially until this window gets up up and running because I think that you're going to see some clubs that are that are buying and you're going to see quite a few clubs that are selling assets that they might not ordinarily have sold before. Uh, and then finally, the other point that we've talked about before was, uh, are we going to see uh, some outside the box thinking in regards to uh, the way in which these players are acquired? Are there going to be more swap deals? Are there going to be more short term deals for quote middle class players, meaning players who are, you know, not the top end big marquee names, but the guy, kind of guys that you come in and fill a squad out with that you may sign to shorter deals you can get for less money. Um, I, I think it'll be really fascinating to see how those dynamics play out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I suppose it's, it, and with that in mind, Rob, it goes back to something you were saying on a part recently in regards to, to Brands. And while there's been a lot of question marks about him and the players he's brought in, it, by and large, getting players out, he's done, he's done pretty well, hasn't he? So you sort of ho hopefully back him to get rid of some of those players that, you know, we all know the names that, that a lot of people don't want around the team next year. Yeah, it, look, it's uh, it's a challenge, and I do tend to think that 
the players that are on big money, you know, weekly wages right now, uh, they're, they're, they're not going to be hard. They're not going to be, I'm sorry, they're not going to be easy to, to get, get gone and they wouldn't be under normal circumstances. And I'm not sure that those players also um, are going to have available options that would give them the sort of money that they're already on at Everton right now. So I, I mean, I've, I've made peace with the, with the idea that guilty Sigurdsson's going to be here next season. I, I just, I think it would take some sort of major sea change or, you know, capitulation on his part for taking a lot less money. But again, stranger things have happened. Uh, I, I do think that, uh, brands will have to find ways to be creative. I, I do also think that given that the window starts uh, on Monday officially, and we've got, uh, is it Monday? It's the 27th. I think the 27th yeah. is Monday. So the, the window starts officially on Monday. The season they just announced starts on is it September 12th, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to run, and the window's going to run into the season a little bit this time, or is it not? Yeah, I can't September, remember. Is it end of September, it should I think? Yeah, so we're back to kind of running into a few weeks into the season. I mean, the off season itself, which you always hear that that that's when we want to when people want to get their business done, and that business certainly does include outgoings, as you pointed out, Matt. Like if, if it's not it's not as easy as much as we think it's difficult to bring in players. It's you know there, there's another end to that equation, which is you know getting rid of players takes time, time and work and and uh, you know some some substantial effort. There's going to be just a short window of time. I, I wonder how many players are going to be on the move. I do think that those players who are on more reasonable wages, who may only have a year or, or two years left on their contracts, who can move to a situation where they may not get a four- or five-year deal, but maybe they get a two- or three-year deal. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see some shorter deals handed out. Um, I think you may see more movement there. Um, I'd have to, it'd be interesting to start thinking who fits that profile for Everton. I mean, we, you know, Mike's had this longstanding theory that I've always subscribed to that someone like Fabian Delph would absolutely leave Everton, uh, if Leeds get promoted, which they have. So I think, you know, like I, yeah, exactly. You get, you get your fingers crossed for, for deals like that. Like if, uh, you know, but I, I'm, I'm not sure who those are. We know that, that some work needs to be done there, but you know, you look at the payroll, the Everton squad uh, layout in terms of their salaries, I, 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 I think it's interesting that the players at the top, I just don't think you can move right now. Um, some you wouldn't want to move, but you, you, you can't move. Um, that's why, and we can get into this later, maybe it makes sense, but you know, I put out that question about when we talk about moving players on or being opportunistic about raising funds and so on and so forth. I put out the Michael Keane hypothetical for this reason because he's a player who has just a short enough contract. He's just at a certain age. And he is making good money, but not great money. And is his value to you in the form of a fee? Or if you're bringing in, now that Carlo Ancelotti is throwing out words like evolution, does that suggest that we are really going to take that step forward, bring in a, another starting caliber center half? What, what does that mean for assets like Michael Keane, especially who've made themselves into assets? You know, if Guilty Sigurdsson, for instance, had come out in this restart and played gangbusters or something we might be having a somewhat similar conversation about suddenly him being something a person you know player that could be moved on but 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 maybe keen fits that profile now but yeah brands has got a lot of work to do in that regard um but it'll be interesting to see what kind of market is out there um but i don't get the sense that it's necessarily sell to buy uh, ancelotti doesn't seem to be talking that way but um i guess we'll 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 certainly see i don't think it's sell to buy but i definitely think it's one in one out I think that obviously there is an important distinction to be made there is I don't think they want the squad size to be any bigger, but under the same guys, I don't think they need to actively sell players in order to bring in maybe one or two, but anywhere further than that, I think they do actively need to, obviously with the FFP concerns, let's just say FFP is still a thing and it's hypothetically would punish Everton. They probably need to sell to buy once you bring in, say maybe one, two players. Um, I've just got uh, there's some sneaky feelings I've just got about this window. And one thing that keeps sticking in my mind is the sort of conversations that I had about signing a um, a winger. It seems to be Everton have got to offload Yannick Bellassi before they can make a move for a winger. And that, to me, it, it says to me that they've got someone in mind already who is probably on a free transfer 
that's the sort of thinking that I have right now. And there's only one name that's jumping to my mind in that instance, Fraser. and that's Ryan Fraser. I don't know like where that's coming from in my brain, but right. I think it's just something that Everton will explore. And I think we were linked with him, were we? Yeah, we were for a bit, but. I think that those sorts of knock-on deals, like in my own head, those as you're talking about there, Rob, almost a sell-to-buy thing, I think we'll see a lot of knock-on effects where you'll see one or two players go out, whether it is Yannick Balassi, Mohamed Besic, Matty Pennington or whoever. And I think you'll see quite a quick turnaround in maybe stories linking us to players or of any interest being made more fair. I think we'll see a lot of quick turnaround in that instance. Uh, on the topic of Bournemouth wingers, I've got a great question here from Ben saying, uh, please talk about the fact we've already signed David Brooks, Mike Diasha. <laughs> well, why, why do I need to talk about it? We've already done it. Like we, we, we did it last week when we said he will sign for Everton. Like, there's there's no, no more talking we need to do. It's like, we're all, gonna, we're all going to positively manifest David Brooks signing for Everton. So everyone with me, say it with me. David Brooks will sign for Everton. Yeah. There we go. The it's Mike Diasha uh, vision board is a true inspiration to me. I just want right. you guys to let, let, Let's do this properly. So you say it, Mike, in a soothing voice, and I'll leave a little three-second gap of dead air so people can say it back to their, their devices. Okay, you ready? Okay. Are we ready, everyone? You ready? Here we go. David Brooks will sign for Everton. There we go. I mean, first of all, I love the ASMR version of that 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 he just did. It felt like a mantra that if I recorded on a loop, it would put me to sleep at night in a really soothing, peaceful way. I like that. I didn't know Mike had a soothing David, like that. David Brooks Honestly. is mine forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that took a turn. <laughs> David Brooks will sign for Everton. There we go. There we go. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm man. not going to whisper into my microphone. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if you ever heard this, you'd stay well away from Everton. We used to. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Carlo Angelotti's been talking today. In fact, you know what? We'll take it. I need a break. I need a break after that. I need to recuperate. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break here on the <laughs> Transfer Pod. We'll be right back very soon. <laughs> Welcome back to the Blue Room Transfer Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Vera. Joined this week again for part two by Matt Jones and Mike Dinesha. <laughs> Guys, we were earlier talking about Carlo Ancelotti's evolution. <laughs> Matt, tell me a little bit more about what you think evolution means within this context. Oh, wow. Um, we should get you to do that. You know, like people have like different... Uh, should this be my full-time voice? Is this, should this be full-time voice from now on? Is that the, is that the idea? I mean, you were practically <laughs> necking the microphone before we went to a break. Yeah, it was... <laughs> well, because you've got to get it right. You've got to be able to... <laughs> Because you're trying to create intimacy with the listener, and so you've got to create intimacy with the microphone. To be fair, Rob, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not brought on here for my football knowledge, okay? If anyone's going to, you know, create that kind of bond with the listener, <laughs> I think it's probably you. Mike's, I think Mike's broken. I think I broke Mike. I didn't mean to, buddy. Sorry. Not, not broke your mic. Broke, broke our. No, I broke. I broke our mic. Yeah, I broke our. I broke MDA. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Come on, you can go. Come on. Right. This isn't that funny. <laughs> so, Carlo Angelotti's been saying things today at his press conference. Uh, um, so he said, when asked about um, COVID and financial fair play and transfers and the squad. Uh, he did, said it will be for sure an evolution of the club. Everton wants to make the next step, which is to improve. We will finish in 11th or 12th this season. But for sure, next season we have to go up. There is no other way. We need better quality, better ambition, better motivation, and more passion. And the thing that a lot of people have jumped on, Mike, straight away when it comes to these quotes, is that he said evolution, not revolution. Um, should we read much into that, or is this just. 
uh, fella who's English, who's, you know, speaking in a second language, you may have just said a word that probably doesn't have that much meaning to it. Um, I think we can read quite a bit into it because I think it probably stems from conversations that have been had behind the scenes anyway. I think it's a word that comes out of nowhere and I think it's a very specific choice of word. Um, one thing that I think it does have in its favour is evolution for me. It encompasses the entire football club. It, just, it isn't just about the first team squad or bringing in two or three players. It's about the entire just drive of the club and the entire mentality that overtakes it. It just it encompasses all of that. So for me, it's not even just about signing two or three players. It's about bringing through youth, youth prospects properly, actually sending people out on loan properly, doing all of these things, selling players properly. All of those things need to be done. It is about evolving Everton. It's not about just saying this version of Everton that we have now, if we just add two players to it, that's it. It'll be fine for the next 10, 15 years. We all know that's not true. Everton as an entire just institution needs to adapt. It needs to change. It needs to move forward. So I think Angelotti's spot on there when he's talking about the only way is to go up now. You can't you can't drop any further because I think if Everton finished 12th, that's probably their lowest league position in over a decade, isn't it? Or probably quite a bit more. Yeah. And we had two 11th place finishes under Martinez. And he's right. Everton can't drop anymore. They can't afford to. They need to now make the right decisions for the entire football club, not just within transfer policy relating to the first team. There's so much more that needs to be done and needs to be done now. What did you make of it, Rob? Um, yeah, I, I'd like to give Ancelotti credit for, uh, you know, for understanding exactly what he's saying as choice of words. I mean, he's, he's been, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. you can, you can, you can say, I, and I get what you're saying too. Is it, well, is it kind of just a, a word that could have been used, uh, uh, interchangeably with something else? I mean, I guess maybe, but I, I would say Carlo Ancelotti's been in, I'm sorry. You know, Twitter, a lot of talk already about the emphasis of that, the difference between evolution and revolution. So well, yeah, look, I, but I think think that's I think that's its own thing because uh, those two words sound alike, and so therefore people are focused on those two words of well, why didn't he say revolution instead of yeah. evolution? Well, he said evolution completely separate from. I, I don't think he was thinking about revolution. I think he was talking about uh, he was trying to say this club needs to take a major step forward. Um, you can call now a really tidy word for that is evolution. Um, we do need to evolve. And Mike makes a really good point. Like if, if you're tired of hearing the very true statement that Everton can't continue to throw money at the problem and expect things to just automatically change, you can also replace the word money with players. It, it is not a simple, uh, creating a, a, town you know an elite club creating an elite you know match day squad like all these things is not just about the players alone it is not just about spending money though those things certainly help but it is also um you know just and obviously you can't do it without money but it's also about all the other things too it's about conducting uh business at the club in the right way like like mike touched on with you know how everything from how you handle loans to the relationships you have with players and staff. Um, I think that one thing that Carlo Ancelotti was brought here to do um, was to bring his, and, and I've tr I'm trying to avoid the word mentality because I think, I think that word has almost become such a poisoned word for so many of us, but he is here to essentially say, I know what winning culture looks like and we need a culture or a sea change here at Everton that reflects, um, you know, an ethos of, of, of winning. And that's the, that, that curse, that, that cloud, that whatever you want to call it, that, that hovers over Everton is really the most important thing that has to be vanquished before it's a matter of simply adding a, a winger here, a midfielder there, or a, a center half. There. I mean, it's like those things are, are part and parcel with it, of course. Um, but I think his job is also overhauling the way in which the people at the club, the players, the staff, everyone think about what it means to be successful on a day-to-day -day basis, that winning is not just something that happens at some point down the road 
code, it is a decision that every single person within the organization, and in this particular case, the club setup, make every single day with their words, their deeds, et cetera. Those those sorts of things, and you know, if you read his books, you read the way he talks about it, it, it's it's an acknowledgement of the fact that um, it has to be a collective effort. It has to also be an honest effort. Um, and it has to be something that acknowledges the fact that there aren't really shortcuts to it. Now, now again, buying the right players, spending the right money, these are all things that can accelerate the process. But also getting the, the right manager with the right mindset is also a way of accelerating the process. Now, his task, along with Marcel Brands, is to take all of those things together and try to take a step forward. Um, it's going to be more difficult because we finished, the, you know, we're probably going to finish 11th this season um, because I think the club expected to have, you know, finished higher, obviously. But success and how we define success next season has to be based on yes our where we're sitting in the table that's the most important thing but i think we're also going to it's also going to be one of those things i you know i use that that phrase the eyeball test i think we're going to know i think we're going to be able to tell it's it's how we feel about the club it's how we feel about them it's about kind of getting rid of some of those old narratives i think we will know if we've taken that step forward and and in carlo ancelotti's words we've evolved um, by this time uh, next next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he used the, the word evolution. And I think, because I'm still of the opinion that although Carlo Angelotti is probably a medium-term appointment, you could say, in regards to Everton, that our way out of the Malaysia right now and our way out of becoming, our way towards becoming a, a top four team, a top six team, is still going to be a long-term vision. I don't think you can sweep the decks and just do it overnight. I still don't think Everton can do that. And I think that the big thing for me, and it's sort of, it's sort of been thinking about more as we've, you know, since the Hoiberg stuff came up, I think, is you spoke about culture there, Rob, in regards to culture of the football club. I think culture, the culture within the playing staff has got to change for me. I think that's been one of the, that's been one of the issues down the years that for me is, has prevented players like him in his mould, where he's been at the top, you know, he may not necessarily want to come here. He might have other options. Um, I think if you put him in an environment which is full of players that are determined and hungry and looking to do well, then he's more likely to thrive and not likely to go into this this mode that we've seen so many of our current players go into from similar backgrounds. Um, but if, and I think that for me is one of the biggest shifts that's going to happen. And you look at Angelotti, and you're right. I think someone who knows what winning culture looks like, someone who knows how to get a team going, who knows how to get players motivated. He seems like an ideal, ideal fella to change that. But I think the, the, the culture change, which I think is that important, is not going to be a revolution. We, we tried to do, do that with Steve Walsh when we just bought everyone's captain and it didn't work. It didn't work. It's got to be an organic thing in regards to players coming through like Mason Holgate and assuming leadership and being proper role models and being hungry. You know, people like Ian Richardson, Calvert-Lewin, et cetera, et cetera. It's got to be done with smart recruitment as well, and it's got to be the right the right people coming in who are going to be able to help change that. And, and that might mean for that might mean for a while not signing players who have potentially been at a high level and have dropped down because it it's not the right environment for those lads to flourish. I think it needs to we need to get back to having a, a, a stronger platform with the right sort of characters in, and then you sort of add the gloss to it on top of that. And while that might be at odds with the medium term thing that Carlo Angelotti is here to do. In the same breath, it also feels like he's the right fella to oversee that process, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think um, an important step is definitely the recruitment of players has to come from a stance that isn't, okay, these players have played at the highest level, therefore they will be good for us. Like That sort of needs to change somewhat. And I think you've seen it to an extent almost, I know it's, it sounds like an awful example, but you look at West Ham signing Jared Bowen, and just the reinvigoration of a player who is determined not, not to do well for West Ham, but to do well for himself and better himself because he's still really on the way up and he's determined to prove himself in the league. If they would have gone out and got, I don't know, let, let's say they would have come to us and got Yannick Balassi on loan, they wouldn't have had that impetus from a player who plays in the same position. There wouldn't have been a, a will or a drive. It looks like they're about to go and sign um, a Eze as well from QPR, another young player in the championship, young, hungry, who looks like they wants to succeed in this league and wants to prove himself. And you look and you think, to be honest, I look at that sign and I think, I wish Everton would not have gone out panicked and spent so much money on Alex Iwobi because he was proven Premier League quality at a high level and 
convinced them to drop down a level. And you think, well, yeah, if you would have kept your powder dry for just one year, you could have one of the top prospects in the championship in that position to actually come in and actually come in on the front foot rather than feel like they're coming in unmotivated, taking a step down. But throughout this entire process, we've discussed about we've discussed this process. There's one person we haven't mentioned at all, and I think it's the most important step of what is this what is the crux of this evolution, and that is we haven't mentioned Farhad Mashiri. Farhad Mashiri shouldn't really be having that much of a say in player recruitment. He's brought people into the club. Well, exactly. He's brought people into the club to make decisions. And for so long, we have heard about agents offering players, very specific agents who have close ties to Mashiri, offering players to him and him then going back and discussing it with the manager. That shouldn't be happening. Sorry, but you have brought in a head of recruitment, a director of football to oversee the entire culture, the oversee the entire formation, oversee everything about the club. And you're paying him a lot of money. You've gone to a lot of expense and spent two and a half years courting this fella in the first place to then sort of go over his head a bit and say, actually, well, I've been offered these players. Like, do we think he'd be a good fit? It's just, it's not right. And that, if you want to evolve as a football club, you have to know your role within it. And whether you're the owner, and I know that there is a, a semblance of ego there and almost this is my project. I want to be the bright and shiny name who has made Everton brilliant. Like I want it to be me on the face of it. I get that to an extent, but at the same time, the way you do that is by being unseen. That's how you do it. You just sit back and you, if you go and recruit the same people, the right people, it's the same as the person who then goes on to recruit the players. It's the same process and that has to change. And I hope that with Ancelotti being there now, the difference is it's a lot easier to go over the head of Marcel Brands and Marco Silva than it is to go over the head of Carlo Ancelotti. And I hope that that is the change that takes place. I, I want to just add to that. What Mike said is so spot on. And a lot of times these owners get involved because of the of ego you know i mean there's a reason that you know guys who are billionaires are billionaires because they have outsized egos a lot of the time uh and they do feel the need to get involved but he's he's gotten involved by by getting carlo ancelotti in here along with his director of football who's well esteemed i think he needs to trust them and in term, you know, if it's a, if it's a question of getting credit, if Everton succeed, if Everton take that next step, if they evolve as we talked about, Farhad Mashiri is going to get a lot of credit for hiring Carlo Ancelotti and for for getting Marcel Brands and for them doing their jobs well. And so you hope that you hope that that's enough and that that's sufficient. Um, I think that some of the pressure Mashiri feels to really take steps forward to take these shortcuts probably springs from the fact that. There's this stadium being built and there is a lot of expectation and there's money that needs to be made. And, and there, there are pressures there, but this is when uh, you hope, based on what Carlo Ancelotti has been saying recently about the fact that he and Marcel Brand speak every single day and that they are you know, in lockstep with one another, that, that that's what's already happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. So sorry, he's on mute. <laughs> I'll mute that. <laughs> they caught, caught me and, and back to Matt, who's got thoughts. But I think as, as, well, <laughs> as well, Mike, you know, the stuff you were saying there about the, the agents and stuff like that, that in, that in turn feeds to the players, doesn't it? Because you're probably going to get players who are getting told by their agents, you know, I know this fella who's, you know, the, the owner of this football club, do you fancy going there? And that, that, that doesn't feel, again, like suitable motivation for, for players to make those transfer moves either. Well, you wonder what the conversation is there, whether it is, well, I know this fella, or you wonder if it is, to be honest with you, this fella will pay you a lot of money. Yeah. Like, you wonder where, where that conversation does go. But I think it all boils down to the fact that the evolution of this club does have to be people understanding the roles, whether that's players, whether that's scouting staff, whether that's the recruitment department as a whole, or whether that is the ownership. People have to know and understand their clear roles within that system and they all have to pull together like don't get me wrong this window for Everton to get probably near let's say the likes of Wolves and Leicester this window would have to go perfectly I think it would have to go absolutely as Everton wished it to for Everton to get to that level wouldn't like we know that as you discussed there Matt Everton aren't going to clear the decks in a summer and suddenly be challenging for the top four it's not going to happen but what we really want from this window is to see Everton become a consistent 
team at the level that like, I would say we expected to be, let's say, three years ago, like, which yeah, I know sounds almost sad, but that's what it is. You're expecting Everton to basically sit on that seventh position, maybe sixth if there is a proper, proper slip-up. But you expect them to be challenging with the likes of Wolves and Leicester. And if Everton goes swimmingly, that's where I expect Everton to be at the end of this summer. But for that to happen, that evolution that Angelica talks about needs to take place in terms of the entire staffing department. Hey, one question I have for you guys in regards to the statement this morning. Um, Sometimes it's the way that a word is said, um, you know, and and maybe it's the question he was asked. But when he's responding that way to and saying, you know, he expects from a transfer standpoint and from a, you know, change in the makeup of the squad standpoint for there to be an evolution next summer. Um, it, it, it certainly gives the impression. It's like you can parse the word choice if you want, but it's, it's a word you don't really say, um, even though it's not the same as revolution, it's still not a word you throw out there kind of willy nilly without thinking that, you are going to be backed, you know, to a to the degree that you expect. Let's just put it that way. I don't want to go crazy here, but um, you know, they're they're. I feel like he's not saying that if we're signing, you know, two players on loan and a free transfer. Like I think he, in part, but part of that may be expectations he has of himself uh, in terms of his abilities to to also. And I don't want to lose this side of this part of the equation of what Mike's saying, which is to also take the players who are already at Everton and find a way to make them substantially better than they've been able to perform up to this point under this, this slew of managers. He's got to, I mean, there is no, importing 15 new players in the summer there this is going to be a combination of you know strategic additions plus uh frankly improve you know players that have improved and developed uh, over time as well i think that's important is that sense that it's not just about players and, and evolution of players who are coming in it is about the players who are there because there will be some there that let's be frank ancelotti will probably know that he doesn't want them there and there will be another group that he will be on the fence about and think if I can get them to give me just all of the commitments, there is a player there. And I think he's hoping that those comments, because let's be honest, what, he, what he's basically saying in those statements is, I want a culture change at this club. And that's a big thing. That's, a, that's quite a big yeah. thing to come out and say before a transfer window. So I think it almost goes hand in hand with the comments that Seamus Coleman made um, at the end of the Wolves game. Just... There are players there who obviously aren't pulling their weight, and it's quite obvious. And what needs to happen is those players either need to be shipped out if they can be, or the ones that can't, they need to step up because everyone else is going to. And if you don't, it'll be quite obvious. And I think that's what he's really trying to get across to these players is if you want to be left behind here and you want to be hung out to dry, you can do that to yourself. Or you can get on the bus and you can come along with us. I think that is what he's saying to the players as much as to all of us about what he wants. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll finish off this week by some of the some of the comments we've had on Twitter. Um, so said Ben said about David Brooks. Uh, David Slade has said, an evolution is perfect language. We've tried the revolution route and that is largely why we are now butting up against FFP. Time to target a few key positions and to improve what we have in others. Enjoy the transfer talk. Fly high, Rob Vera. (laughs) I think that enough of our listeners now know how much I just enjoy this time of year for its own sake. I just enjoy the (laughs) spectacle of it. Or as I call it, I like to fly high during this because this is the real season. So I'm I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited. (laughs) Elias said, uh, does evolution mean using more youth like Gordon Brampway Sims or dipping into the market to overhaul the squad completely? I think we just sort of addressed that. Basically, both is probably the answer to that, isn't it? Um, In that regard. Um, Tony Laddle, Sandra Tonali should be our number one target. Um, I think he's probably been the number one target of a lot of clubs in Europe at the moment, wouldn't he, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Um, double the next Andrea Pirlo. So feels like, I think I'm pretty sure and saying he looks like he's nailed on to go to Juve, doesn't he, at some point? I mean, let's be honest, any half decent player in Italy is probably going to end up at Juve at some point, are they? 
yeah, um, as much as it would be good to, to get him on board, no doubt. Um, transfer, as you say, says uh, Warren um, Odson Eduard. Sure, there was interest and a tailor made terrace chance to go with it. I'd be game and a Stone Roses chance as well. So, you know, six all the boxes, really, Rob. Uh, I don't know anything about the Stone Roses chant fit there, but sure. <laughs> I'm not singing it. I'm not singing it. Before you ask, I'm not singing it. Why not? We've had enough of my sultry tones today. Yeah. Not too much shapes for one show. Yeah, pretty much. But I don't know. I think he's a bit too SPL for me, I think. Speaking of a bit too SPL, um, Keith has asked John, said John McGinn discuss, and Warren has said two lab rocks <laughs> him. And apparently, oh, just... apparently you love him, Mike. Um, I, I, do you know what? It's just... You love who? John McGinn. I just... Uh, I, yeah. If you want to tell you, you don't really rate him. This is a safe place I, to do it. What, what I told him was, when I just, I just get the impression of Crab. I just get a Crab impression. I don't know why, because I've seen him play and I've seen him do some quite half-decent things. Yeah. But at the same time, I've also seen him turn like a tanker trying to get around Andre Gomez doing exactly the same thing. Just there's a little bit of crabbiness there and his face is too small for his head. So... Walking sideways, flexing. I just, I just don't trust trust Scottish players. I love. You know what? No, so. no. I love Scottish players. Like there is <laughs> great about Scottish players that if you get the right ones, they are fantastic. But you do have to get the right ones. Like first season, James McCarthy. That's the right grit of a Scottish oh. player. I love all that. First season, James McCarthy. Yes, yeah. we were chasing that, chasing that ghost for a long time, weren't we? We were. I'm further credence to my Scott McTominay theory. Oh, God. Oh, God. What's the Scott McTominay theory? I've not heard this, but you've referenced it a couple times, man. Stemmed from 11s, which was the hill you're going to die on 11. Was that? Was it that one? Yeah. Yeah. And one oh, of my, I didn't hear that one. One of mine was that Scott McTominay will definitely sign for Everton at some point. <laughs> She's got an Everton face. I do, I do think that that is definitely a loan that gets done this, this summer. Could happen. Could I, I do. Like interesting, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that all the questions we've had? Uh, Bradley Rettler said, Talk a little bit about how transfers work, particularly the roles of Carlo, Marcel, Denise, and Farad. What happens when someone, oh, particularly with Carlo and Marcel? And I've already replied to Bradley saying, uh, We'll try and get Paddy on for that because it's probably fair to say, Yeah, you don't know the ins and outs of it that much. Um, and oh, no, like, yeah, we assume so we know a lot, yeah. Yeah, like I think we we we've spoken a bit about what what we'd like to see from a process, and that's as much as we can do. And if you want to get bad news Boyland to come and have a chat and shoot it all down, then that's probably best. Yeah, that's probably yeah. Bad news Boyland uh, hashtag bad news Boyland hashtag bad news Boyland is really going to be a, a good resource this summer to help with uh, explain at times some of the mechanics of this. Um, but uh, also, I think is you know to to Mike's point is is definitely stepping up to give you all of the players Everton are not going to sign. Um, I think I think Patty's going to be indis. I'm sorry, bad news Boylan is going to be very indispensable this summer in that regard. Hon- honestly, if you want to know if Everton won't sign a footballer, the bad Evan- news Boylan is your man. You can't really beat bad news. Can we start uh, idea? By the way, look, we're always you know we're, we're always generating quote content and. Uh, uh, looking for any revenue streams. Um, I personally would love a Bad News Boiling t-shirt. And I think that <laughs> I would love to have that be my new workout gear. Uh, maybe with his face on it, uh, but we could discuss it. But I was thinking like, hashtag Bad News Boiling, Patty's face drinking like a latte or something like, something <laughs> like that, I think would be absolutely perfect. The athletic is probably like, no, we've got first right of refusal for uh, bad news boiling t-shirts. So maybe, maybe if the athletic did, if you sign up with an Everton code, you get a bad news boiling t-shirt. Ooh, oh, I like that. But see, like I'm that. already a subscriber. But maybe if I can get someone else to subscribe, it feels like a pyramid scheme at that point. But you know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, sure, yeah, bad news boiling t-shirts. Just, let's, just, let's workshop that. And just like we said in, in midweek, Mike, as well, you know, as much as he likes being called that, just it, he also loves being DM'd about Everton transfers and targets. So he oh, does. Um, yeah. So just just get in touch and ask. Even if it's a wild rumor, you know, I'm sure he'll be happy to 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 tell you it's not true. Hey, Matt, can I throw out one uh, bit of rumor uh, that yes. we heard this morning? Just just that, just to get get your to get you guys uh, take your temperature on it. Uh, Sergio Romero uh, has been linked. Uh, 
by uh, by ESPN um, to uh, the the keeper for United has been um, linked to us, uh, us and Leeds apparently. Um, I think yeah. he's decent. I think he's de- I like we need more competition there. I don't. I, I've always wondered, and and you guys may have more insight on this, but. I don't know why any keeper wants to leave somewhere to sign to be a backup somewhere else uh, because of how little they end up playing. But, you know, especially if we're not going to be in Europe, um, I don't know if that's a real, if that's a kind of a non-starter or, you know, if that's actually something that could happen. I mean, I want more competition for Pickford, but I don't know what you guys think about that. I think he, I, I honestly think he'd come in and be number one. Like he's a, he's, he's a good goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's probably, I think he's probably the best number two there is in the league just okay so is there interest in that regard because there really is some smoke uh to the fire of potentially pickford being on the move i think it's i think it's absolute nonsense because i can't see Everton even approaching the goalkeeper situation until there is either one interest in jordan pickford or two a pot of money for them to actually use in that way you need another goalie, don't they? Because Stefanberg's going to go and Jabberjini, I don't think they've got much. Well, it depends, doesn't it? You've got Lossel, Lossel. and Oh, yeah. Lossel. I yeah. thought Lossel, I mean, when, when we signed Lossel, I thought that's perfectly solid number two. But, I, you know, depends on – it feels like you only go after someone like Romero if you've got another corresponding move that we haven't thought about. But I – who knows? I mean, I don't think Chelsea like Kepa's terror. You know, Kepa's awful, but he's awful for the reasons that we all, a lot of us, say that Pickford's awful. And I don't know that they would honestly look at Pickford as a real upgrade. But I don't know. I think the only way we see a goalkeeper come in this summer is if they can turn a quick book on Jonas Lossel to the Championship. Whether a team will come in with a few million pounds, so obviously they're going to want a free. So it's just pure profits in the bank for the FFP stuff. That's the only way I could see a goalkeeper coming. Even then, I could just see them going, right, we're not playing in Europe, Shao Virginia, you can come yeah. as back up for the League Cup and the FA Cup. Yeah, Jal Virginia, you know, I know he had a bad spell at Reading or whatever, but he came in with quite a bit, you know, a decent amount of hype for a young player. I don't want to, again, that's another one of those things where we don't want to give up on a player that quickly. I think it could be good for him to find a good loan move if possible, but... I don't know why you don't just, if you're going to stick with Pickford, why you just don't bring Lossel back to be number two. And I don't know why he left in the first place. And then you just let Virginia go on loan, but I don't know. Just thoughts. We've, we've had a, another question that you just in from, from Brad as well. There. Um, I don't know if you just want to, in fact, we'll, we'll do it now. One word answers from both here, and then we'll delve into this next week a little bit. Okay. Okay. So we said, how much would you take? How much should we expect for various players? I'm going to give you three now. And I want to one, number you know just a number from each year no context no analysis or anything how current much, Everton players how much would you sell these players for ah okay okay Mason Holgate Mike 60 million pounds uh I yeah say the same he's in, he's English and he's young and he's yeah absolutely no analysis Rob save that for next week sorry uh Dominic Carver-Lewin Rob um, 35. Mike? 75 million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> million I mean, I rate, I rate him too. I just, you know, I mean, he's had part of a good season, you know. That probably, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. No, he's really good. Like you know, I've come full circle on Calvin. No analysis, like Rob. You stay on your, you stay no, on your but, feet. Hey, he we'll threw, hey Matt. Matt said he didn't agree, so he threw out his. No, own. no, we'll I, come back. I once saw Ellis Sims for thirty-five million pounds. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, and the last one, of course, is Richarlison, Mike. One hundred and twenty million pounds. <laughs> Same. It's priceless. It's priceless. So you, yeah. you, you, yeah, it's priceless. Nice, nice to finish on a, a consensus anyway. <laughs> uh, that's been your transfer pod. Um, do you want to talk us out, Rob? Do you want to do the outro? <laughs> You've been listening to the transfer pod here on the Blue Room. Uh, I've been for Matt Jones and Mike Diasha. I'm Rob Vera. Coming up uh, this week, we've got even more content coming your way. Uh, we've got a post-match after Bournemouth on Sunday. Then we'll have your usual content, the weekly, subs weekly, kick about. Uh, mailbag, the 11s. There's going to be so much going on this summer. Please don't ever forget to stick with us. That's been your transfer pod. Have a wonderful day.
Progressive presents Forced Metaphors about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. Any sports fan knows defense wins championships. Your championship is your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your best defense is the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive, which is like having a goalie, a seven-foot shot-blocking specialist, and a linebacker all wrapped into one, which, to circle back, means you're going to win the championship. Because, you know, defense. Forced Metaphors. Presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.